The oil industry pollutes California's groundwater and other stories this October 12, 2014. I'm Franny Halperin. And I'm Jamie Sudler. And it's This Week in Water. Some 50 to 100,000 people marched in Dublin, Ireland yesterday, chanting, From the rivers to the sea, Irish water will be free. The marchers were protesting the Irish government's plans to start charging for water. Before this October, water services were funded by the revenues from general taxation. But the center-right coalition government decided to charge households hundreds of euros a year for water starting January 1. The new water charges will likely hit the poor and the elderly hardest. Many protesters in Dublin carried signs saying that access to water is a human right. Whether access to water is a human right was recently addressed by a U.S. judge in Detroit, Michigan, who decided that there is no enforceable right to water. He allowed the city to continue to cut off water to thousands of households. The judge's ruling contrasts with the United Nations General Assembly, which has recognized that the right to drinking water and sanitation is a human right. People in Detroit are concerned not only with the issue of access to drinking water, but also with the potential sanitation problem that comes from the inability to clean and use toilets. One estimate puts the number of shutoffs in Detroit currently at 22,000 homes, with as many as 400 being shut off each day. Last July, California state regulators shut down 11 wastewater injection wells used by the oil industry to dispose of fracking fluids over concerns that they might be contaminating aquifers used for drinking water and farm irrigation. Turns out their concerns were justified. Nine of those wells have polluted aquifers in one of the nation's most important agricultural regions already strained by extreme drought and overpumping. In documents obtained by the Center for Biological Diversity, it was revealed that the California State Water Resources Board had sent a letter to the EPA confirming nearly 3 billion gallons of wastewater were illegally injected into central California aquifers, and then half of the water samples tested showed high levels of arsenic and thallium, a toxin used in rat poison. According to the press release from the Center for Biological Diversity, California has over 1,500 active injections wells from Northern California to Los Angeles, including some that are offshore near Santa Barbara. Brazil is facing a huge drought, and one of the problems that's coming from the drought is that the complex of reservoirs that supplies Sao Paulo, one of South America's largest cities, has been reduced by 95% of its capacity. Possible responses to this crisis include lowering water pressure and rolling water shutoffs to 6.5 million people. Thousands of residents in Sao Paulo are already complaining of lower flows from faucets, particularly at night. Some Brazilian scientists say that the current drought is due to the absence of rain brought about by a combination of the continuing deforestation of the Amazon and global warming. <music> You may not realize it, but in most of the country, self-reporting is the main way officials know if a mining or oil and gas company is complying with water quality standards and reporting spills or contamination. It's an honor system that officials say works, but does it? Last Thursday, a lab technician near Raleigh, West Virginia, pleaded 
guilty to reportedly faking water quality standards for coal companies. John Shelton worked for Appalachian Laboratories, a lab that was certified by the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection to sample and analyze water discharges for more than 100 mining operations. According to court records, Shelton admitted to a charge of conspiracy to violate the Federal Clean Water Act, saying he diluted water samples, substituting water he knew to be clean for actual mining discharges, and not keeping water samples refrigerated as required by state and federal rules. This isn't the first time there have been problems with self-reporting in West Virginia. In 2008, federal officials sued Massey Energy over widespread water violation at its mines after state officials revealed that they had not been monitoring discharge reports filed with them by the coal mining industry. Last week, four grim reports came out with information about our oceans. Two reports showed that the oceans are warming up twice as fast as we previously thought. One of them had more welcome news. The warming may be confined to shallower waters, and deep sea temperatures are not affected. Another report detailed how higher sea levels will lead to more frequent floods and higher tides. A fourth report confirmed that the ocean's acidity has increased 26% since pre-industrial times 200 years ago. And yet another scientific report has concluded that many species of fish are migrating away from the equator toward the north and south poles to escape warming waters. The study gives an example showing that shallow waters around Indonesia will heat up to the point where most species will not be able to live. Okay, so the moon isn't made of cheese, but it might have significant water. For that reason, NASA is exploring the idea of mining it to provide drinking water for future colonies or as a way station for those en route to Mars or beyond. The U.S. Space Agency is developing two separate probes to assess stores of ice. The first is called the Lunar Flashlight and is a CubeSat mission, meaning the spacecraft is tiny, about the size of a cereal box. But once it's launched, it unfurls an 80-square-meter solar sail that propels it closer and closer to the lunar surface, where it then uses an infrared spectrometer to collect light data indicative of water frost. The second is called the Resource Prospector Mission, and it involves sending a rover to the surface to drill. The vehicle would extract oxygen from the lunar dirt in an experiment to see if that oxygen can be combined with hydrogen carried on board the craft to create water. Water. Additionally, any moon water found has the potential to be split into hydrogen and oxygen atoms, prime components of rocket fuel, which could then make the moon a very convenient pit stop for exploring nearby planets. By the way, NASA isn't the only entity eyeing the moon's resources. A number of private firms, including Moon Express and Shackleton Energy, also aim to mine and exploit lunar water. Looks like there's a gold rush on. In India, residents of Uttar Pradesh are fighting a groundwater war against Coca-Cola. Local residents are blaming Coke for drying up their wells. The people used to draw water with buckets attached to an arm's length of rope, but now the wells are dry. They blame the beverage maker for taking their groundwater, and they cannot afford to drill any deeper. Some residents have traveled to Delhi and Mumbai to protest, smashing Coke bottles on roads. 
And finally this week, we have a lot of fodder for the water cooler. We start down in the great state of Texas, where they might expect one benefit of being in a drought might be to expect fewer mosquitoes, but they'd be wrong. Researchers at the University of North Texas say this season's mosquitoes are bigger and meaner than ever, and that it's because of the drought. Fewer mosquitoes means there are more nutrients to go around, creating supersized bugs that can almost live twice as long and seemingly bite twice as bad. Over in the Grand Canyon, it's a good news, bad news situation. Good news? Officials have reduced waste by banning disposable plastic water bottles and installing water stations for visitors. Bad news? Elk in the park have figured out how to use them by lifting spring-loaded levers with their noses. Worse, they don't like to share and get aggressive when visitors approach. No injuries have been reported as park officials look to retrofit the stations for elk who are apparently smarter than we are. And lastly, university students in the United Kingdom launched a campaign urging fellow classmates to urinate in the shower in order to save water. The quote, go with the flow campaign is the brainchild of students Debs Tor and Chris Dobson from the University of East Anglia. The pair are asking the university's 15,000 students to quote, take their first wee of the day while having their morning shower, saying it will save enough water to fill 26 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Moreover, the pair note that there could be a multiplier effect if students shower with friends, but on the advice of their professor, undertook a tad more research to ensure that yes, in fact, urine is sterile and therefore safe. No word yet about extending the campaign to British residents, many of whom take a bath as a part of their morning routine. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado WaterWise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.